Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to get into God's Word this afternoon? You excited about fall? Got a couple people over in the corner. Praise the Lord. Some pumpkin spice fans. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We've got the verses on the screen behind me. You can read along with us. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Someone say great crowds. Let me just tell you right now, you best get used to pack rooms. Thank you so much for fighting for your seat. I hope you didn't have to literally fight somebody for your seat. Thank you for fighting in the parking lot. Thank you for sitting in overflow. Shout out to all of my overflow people. We love you. We love you. I know it isn't the most convenient and I know it's starting to feel a little tight, but it ought to encourage you when you walked into a full room. Why? Because according to Luke chapter five, wherever Jesus shows up, the room gets packed. And if the room is packed at Journey Church, it's because Jesus has shown up and we come to glorify his name and make him famous. And so glory to God for that. And thank you for your understanding and patience. Luke chapter five, verse two. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge and he started to think to himself, maybe I can use that as a pulpit. I'll, I'll get in the boat, I'll push away from shore. They'll be able to hear me preach a little better. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Verse three, stepping into one of their boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Look at Jesus. He stepped in the boat first and then asked second. So gangster. <laughs> He's like, hey man, can I use this? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and Simon, Simon uh, says, absolutely. And so he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Tell your neighbor, are you available? Yeah, hopefully he didn't make that weird. <laughs> you available? Don't do that. I'm so grateful that that is all Jesus needs from you and me. He doesn't need us to be the most smartest genius person in the room. He doesn't need us to be the strongest person. In the room. He doesn't need us to be the richest person in the room. All you got to do is be like Simon's boat, ready, empty, and willing. And if you are empty and willing, God can use you to change the world. Amen. Verse four, when he had finished, finished speaking, he spoke to Simon. Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. This is Jesus' way of saying thank you to Simon for allowing him to use his boat. And pretty much he's telling Simon, you help me feed my family. Now let me help you feed your family. You help build my house. Now watch me help build your house. Whenever you live to build the house of God, God will build your family's house. When you start to worship, when you start to give, when you start to tithe, when you start to serve, God goes, okay, now pull out the deep water and watch what I do in your life. Amen? But you got to get off the shallow water. You can't have a shallow relationship with Jesus. Got to go into the deep water. Verse 5, Master, Simon replied, we, this is what I wanted to preach about, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Mm. So Jesus tells Simon, go out, I want to do a miracle in your life. Get ready for an overflow. And Simon doesn't just say yes, he doesn't. He, he first says, Master, it's not going to work. 
Why? Because we've been working all last night. Someone say night. Now, I'm not a fisherman. Do we have any fishermen in the house, fisherwomen in the house? Anybody raise your hand? Yeah, only very few. Like the rest of us, I buy fish at the store, but I'm glad to see we have some fishermen and some fisherwomen in the house. I'm going to teach a little bit about fishing right now, and the fact of the matter is I don't know what I'm talking about. I've researched it. I've Googled it. So all my fishermen people, ma'am, I'm looking at you. You're the hand that I saw. If I'm wrong, just correct me in private, not on the pulpit. Don't be rude. I'm going to ask you. All right. So for what I'm my research, my research shows that the best time to fish for most fish is at night. Is that correct? It's at nighttime. The reason why is because the fish prefer the darkness. The darkness keeps them safe so that other fish don't eat them. So that way they're more active during the nighttime. Also, the sun makes the top of the water warm. And the fish don't like the warm water. So they, when the top of the water gets hot, they dive deeper into the sea where the water is cooler. And the nets of the fishermen cannot go that deep so they can't catch them. Are you following me? And so is that all right? Is that pretty much accurate so far? I appreciate your approval. Thank you so much. And so, so, that, so, so, the, so the time, it has to be at night if you want to catch fish. And so when, when Peter is looking at Jesus, or Simon at this time is looking at Jesus, he, he undoubtedly knows that because he's a fisherman by trade. But he's not sure if the carpenter does. So now Simon is going to endeavor to educate the creator of the sea. He's going to endeavor to educate the, 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 the author of fish. And, and so he begins to explain this to Jesus. And his beef with Jesus, by the way, is not Jesus' authority or ability. In fact, we know that Simon respects both because he addresses him as master. So if he addresses him as master, that we should presuppose that he already believes that there's something special about Jesus, that Jesus has power and Jesus can do things. If you believe Jesus has power and can do things, say amen. amen. Good. So then you are Simon. We both agree and we all agree Jesus can do some things. Ready? Jesus's, Simon's issue with Jesus is not his authority or his ability. Simon's issue with Jesus is his timing. I believe you can do it, but the best time to do it was last night. I, I believe that you uh, can, can do it. I thank you for your hope that you're giving me. I needed some of it. And thank you for your help. I needed some of it. But honestly, we good. If you wanted to do a miracle in my life, the best time to do it was last night. Jesus, you missed it. Can I start preaching? Can I start preaching, preaching? Okay, here's where we go. Here's where we go. Jesus just went to Journey Church, heard an amazing word, got encouraged, and I felt some hope pop up in my life. I felt some help pop in my life, and I, and I appreciate that hope and that optimism. Um, but if you wanted me to get married, uh, the best time to do that uh, was in my 30s. I believe you can do it. But that was the best time. And honestly, I think that season is passing. So, Lord, you missed it. If you wanted me to get pregnant, the best time for that, Lord, was my 40s. Before the hot flashes. Don't think it's going to happen right now. While I appreciate the hope and the help and the optimism, Jesus, you missed it. You want, what's that, Lord? You want me to get a degree and get a diploma? Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm 55 years old. I'm, I'm 60 years old. If you wanted me to get a degree, the best time for that was in my 20s. 
I appreciate it, but you missed it. What's that? You want me to be in full-time ministry? That's awesome, Lord. But if you want me to be in full-time ministry, the best time for that would have been before I got bills. Because they tell me ministry don't pay. They write. Amen. <laughs> Wanted me to start a company? Probably should have done that before I had kids. It's too late now to start the business. Wanted me to go to a good school? Yale, Harvard? Should have done that before the SAT scores came in. <laughs> you missed it. Oh, what's that, Lord? You want to restore me and restore my life? And that's cool, but the best time for that would have been before the divorce. I mean, if you wanted to restore something, why not restore that? Sorry, I I'm grateful, I'm grateful, but you missed it. I'm trying to speak to anybody today who can relate to the feeling, listen, of the window closing on an opportunity season or ambition that you've pursued your whole life. Can you relate to that? Am I preaching to anybody? Where the window is closing or, listen to me, the window has already closed. What do you do when the window's closed and you feel like your best days are behind you? I'll tell you what to do. Get your eyes off the window and onto the word. Shift your focus and your faith from looking at what you see to listening to what you hear. Luke chapter five, verse five, Simon does exactly that. He knows that the window has closed, but look at his first five words. But if you say so. Oh, can you feel the faith stirring up in Simon's heart? He goes, what I'm seeing is not aligning with the window of time that the things are supposed to happen in. But if your word goes forth, if you say so, I'm going to get my eyes off the window and onto the word. I'll let the nets down again. In verse 6, look what happens. And this time, someone say this time. This time. Their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Good God. I want you to tell three people the title of my message today because I think you need to hear it. Here is the title of my message. Someone needs to hear this. You didn't miss it. Tell three people you didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. It only feels like you missed it. Here's my first point. Listen, you didn't miss your moment. You didn't miss your moment. Put it on the screen. You ever felt like you missed your moment? Man, that was the time. That, it only feels like you've missed your moment because this is going to sound a little theoretical, but I'll explain it all. Because we live in time, but God is on time. Yeah. It sounds the same, but it's vastly different. See, for us, time is linear. That's why if you're looking at the floor right now, there is a yellow line. This is actually the beginning of an illustration. And this is the timeline. This is your and my timeline, the timeline of life. And most people have a plan for their timeline. And it usually starts right here at birth. And this is the, really the only thing on the timeline that you really can't plan. You know, nobody planned to be born. And I mean, your parents didn't even plan. Uh, just playing, just playing. But for some people, that's for real. Um, and then after that, you know, we have our childhood. We have our childhood, right? And we hope that that goes well. And then after in our childhood, we go to school, right? And we want to go to school to, 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 to get a good job. Amen. And we want to get a good job because nobody will marry us if we're broke. And that's where that comes in right there. And then after we get the good job, right? And, and now this isn't everybody's plan, but I, I assume this is like most, 
most the American dream type of plan. You get married and then you have kids and, and that's awesome and you hope that they're not crazy or demon possessed and then after you have kids and then, and then you really hope you find purpose. Now, most people wouldn't put this on their timeline because this isn't something you start thinking about until you get about 40, 50, 60 years old. When you start realizing that all the money, all the people, all the kids means nothing if it doesn't have purpose attached to it. Then you start looking back at your life and you start wondering if there's purpose in any of it at all. So hopefully by this age, you're old enough where you've discovered your purpose. And then after that, hopefully you've saved enough money at your career so that you can retire, get that 401k, that 403b, that IRA going and popping and investing in the stock market. And then eventually, nobody wants it, but it's a part of the timeline. Right, unless Jesus comes back before, but that's part of the timeline. And, and so, so what am I talking about when I say you live in time and God is on time? What I'm talking about is that, God, that time is linear. So, so that means you can only experience it in forward and you can't get out of it. It's linear, right? You're going to move like, it doesn't matter how many creams you put on your face, how many vitamins you take, A, B, C, vitamin X. It don't matter what vitamin you take. Like, you're going to get older. Like, it's just a part of life, and it's unavoidable. And so, so you're just going to always move forward. And this poses many problems for us. The first problem that it poses is that while we live in the present, we cannot simultaneously live in the past because time is linear. And although we cannot live in the past, many of us try to. We have a word for that. It's called regret. Stop living in the past. You can't change any of that. You can learn from it, but you can't live in it. Others of us, we don't live in the past, we live in the future. That's a problem too, because you can't live in the future, you can only live in the present, although many of us try. That's not called regret, that's called anxiety. When you live in a world that's not real. But I don't wanna preach about regret or anxiety today. What I wanna preach about is this, the fact that these things that are ahead of me in life, I've planned but I have not experienced them. And what do you call an experience that is planned that you have not yet experienced, that you are waiting to experience? What do you call it? You call it an expectation. Here's the message. Here's the message. The message is about what happens when a moment you've been waiting for your whole life, what happens when you do not experience the moment when expected? Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you don't experience the moment when expected, at first you start to think, well, maybe it's just late. And so like, you're just getting older and you're like, come on moment, <laughs> come on moment. But then you hit a certain age where if it's not ahead of me, then maybe it's behind me, and I missed it. You quiet, I don't know if it's good or bad, but you tracking? Let me make it more practical. You see the marriage one? Let's imagine that you didn't experience it, and you think because you didn't experience it, it's behind you. <laughs> now it makes sense, because now that explains why you still follow your ex on social media. Even though they're married to someone else. Are you ready? Because you think that your opportunity for true love was back there. And you missed it. The one that got away. Was the career one. This career. career. This is why some of us, if our career 
And we're like, man, and like, you don't have a career. You got a job like you Uber and all that. And Uber's a job that's amen. Praise the Lord for all my Uber drivers. But I don't think that that's what you want to do for the rest of your life. And so you're still looking for a career. And you're like, man, where is that career? Is it back there? Oh, I know where my career was. It was back there in school on career day. And I played hooky that day to get high under the bleachers and trade Pokemon cards with my friends. And now, because I miss career day, I miss my whole, my whole timeline's thrown off. Or maybe you always felt called to music. You just had a great voice and you were good at instruments and your mom and dad put you in lessons, but you never really stuck with the lessons. And now you've got a great career, you've got a good family, but you're missing that purpose in your life. And you're thinking, man, is it, is it back there? And then something crazy happens when all of the things that you thought were gonna happen in your life and you haven't experienced those moments and all of a sudden, the only thing you have to look forward to This is called depression. When you lose vision for your life and the only thing you have to look forward to is death. Let me encourage you. It only feels that way because you live in time. The good news is that God is on time. Mm. Let me explain that. Psalms 139.16, you saw me, put one screen, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book when? Every moment, say moment, moment. was laid out when? Before a single day had passed. Woo! We live life from birth. Psalms 139 says that before you were born. Woo! God put everything and guess what? He was doing it not in time but on time. Now, don't tell me that that breaks your brain, okay? If you could watch Loki and Avengers Endgame and Flash, you can get this. God puts it on time. Let me put it into a statement that can, you can take this message with you home. It's not that you missed it, and it's not that it's late. It's that it has a date. Woo! Can I make it even more practical? Say yes. You're not waiting for your moment. Your moment's waiting for you. It's got a date. You just got to stay on the line. And I'm grateful that God knows when to put things when he needs to put them. Because the frustrating thing is, God don't always place things when we plan them. For some of us, God might take all these things. You know what this is called? A mid-life crisis. Real talk. Moses didn't start his ministry till 80, but it revolutionized the world. It happened right on time, not in time, but on time, because by the time he was ready to lead the people from Israel, he had enough schooling, Whew, I'm preaching, preaching, to give him the education to sustain the ministry that God had laid out for him. Yeah, he was on time. He was on time. Listen, God is on time because early is dangerous. 
Early is dangerous. Not everything that comes early is good. If your Amazon package gets there early, that's good. If you finish school early, that's good. If your baby is born early, that's dangerous. I remember Thanksgiving one year, Pastor Liz was cooking a turkey, and one of the boys, I can't remember who, was like, man, why is it taking so long? Because we need to add a word to our vocabulary. We got the word late, and we got the word gone. We need to add a word called on time, on schedule, on schedule. <laughs> boys looked at and said, why is it taking so long? You know, they're young. They don't know. I said, you've been cooking that turkey since last night. <laughs> it's late. And we looked at them and said, it's not late. It's it's on time. It'll be ready when it's supposed to be ready. Well, can I get a piece of the turkey now? Sure. If you want salmonella. <laughs> Early can be dangerous. That's when God puts moments in your life, y'all. He puts them exactly when you need them. Even if we didn't always plan it. Where's a career here and children? So, so for some of us, we wanted kids first. Right away, we got married. Where's married at? Oh, well, you know where married are. Hopefully, you ain't having kids in the childhood, but some of us do have kids in our childhood. And so, so we got the kids right away, bam, and then a career. And that's what you wanted. That was your plan. But God was like, actually, because I need your career to provide the resources to support your kid. So I know you had a plan, but you're the kind of person that needs that, so I'm going to set it up that way. For other people, you know what God does? God goes, actually, but for you, though, you wanted, you wanted your career right away. And God was like, nope. I'm going to give you your children first. You say, why? Because your children are going to teach you the discipline that you need to support your career. It's different. Everybody is different. And because everybody is different, God's timeline for everybody is different. Here's my next one. Listen, God is on time because early is dangerous, but also God is on time because in time is natural, but on time is a miracle. You know what I mean? Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons. This is Ishmael and Isaac. One from his slave wife, that's Ishmael, and one from his freeborn wife, that's Isaac. Verse 23. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise, Isaac. But the son of the freeborn wife was, the, was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. What's happening here? There's a guy named uh, Abraham and a woman named Sarah, and they were married, and God said they were going to have a baby. The only problem is Sarah's pushing 50, no baby. 60, no baby. 70, no baby. 80, no baby. Abraham's pushing 60, no baby. 70, no baby. 80, no baby. 90, no baby. And Sarah starts to look at Abraham and say, maybe what God meant was you were going to have a baby with a woman in my household. So here's my assistant. Sleep with her have a baby, and maybe that's the baby that God was talking about. Listen, because they could not wait for their promise, Abraham and Sarah forced in the, in the flesh what God wanted to form in faith. And so Hagar, Hagar, which is the assistant, Hagar and Abraham have a child. His name is Ishmael. And Ishmael grew up to be normal and average. You know why? Because his birth was normal and average. But years later, when Sarah is 90 and Abraham is 100, the baby of the promise is born. His name is Isaac. Here's the big deal. 
people looked at Ishmael and thought, that's normal. And they looked at Hagar and Abraham and said, Hagar and Abraham did that. But then they looked at Isaac, a child born to a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man, and they said, God did that. Are you tracking? If God does it in time, it'll be labeled natural, regular, and normal. But if God does it on time, it'll be in such a supernatural way and shape or form that only he can get the glory for what he's going to do. We've just, we've just begun discussions with the owner, not just begun, we've been in the discussions for years with the owner of this property. We still don't have any deals, so don't tell your friends that we got a deal. We don't have a deal yet. But so far, the early numbers on the purchasing of not just this property, but the acreage behind, like the seven acres, because we don't want to just build a church. We want to build community centers. We want to make a difference in the community. And so the, the, the initial number, hopefully you're still clapping at the end of this. The initial numbers so far have been and this is not for sure, $16 million. Let me save you the suspense. We ain't got $16 million. You know that. You know how you know we ain't got $16 million? Because you tithe. And ain't nobody tithing. $16 million. I would know. No one ain't got $16 million. And so here's the deal. $16 million. If it took us 10 years to save that up, and we got it at 10 years, people would look at Journey Church and go, way to save up, way to steward, way to be financially frugal and prudent and all of that. You deserve this building. Look what you did. But let's just say out of the random that this December during Legacy Sunday, and I'm not raising an offering right now, so you can relax. <laughs> but let's just say in Legacy Offering, like 10 Orlando Magic players get saved. And some of y'all decide to sell property. I'm, I'm not forcing. I just thought there was a lot of more cheers for the magic. And then when I said sell property, you were like. <laughs> just what if God did in one month what takes the normal person to do in 16 years? Then the whole world would look and go, woo. See that building right there with that Journey Wind logo? Woo. God did that. God did that. That's what I'm praying for, at least. I haven't missed the magic game since. I'm just playing. <laughs> just playing. Just playing. I don't go to magic games. Um, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I will. I'm going to start going. Here's my last point. Here's my last point. Ready? Listen. You didn't miss it, and someone needs to hear this, and your mistakes don't make you miss it. Put it on the screen. I need to hear this. Your mistakes don't make you miss it. There's one little sign over here that I haven't used yet. I was waiting for now. Because there's one sign that can mess up the whole thing. Y'all know about this sign? This is the way God created you. With free will. The ability to make choices. And some of us be making some choices. Just blowing up the whole timeline. Huh? <laughs> for real, man? God's like, I got this great life for you. Like, awesome. Hold my tea. 
I was going to say beer, but then I was at church. So I said tea. But then I said beer. Free will. God, what if, what if I had a child before I was married? Matter of fact, what if I had a child when I was a child? Is that enough to throw off the plan? What happens if I blew all my retirement money on DraftKings and FanDuel? What if I... What if I dropped out of school too early? Is that going to mess up the time? And this is what keeps us up at night. The thought of our decisions ruining God's plan for our life. Have you ever stayed up at night wondering, did I miss it? Did I make a choice that has thrown off God's perfect plan for my life? Where do I go from here? That's you. Let me encourage you. I, I, I want to encourage you with, with three Bible stories, that, well, two Bible stories and a personal story. First is my man, David. I love David. David had a purpose. Which purpose is that? His purpose. There we go. David, King David had a purpose. His purpose was to be the, the beginning of the messianic lineage. What does that mean? He was going to give birth, eventually was going to give birth to a son that would sit on the throne forever and rule forever. That became Jesus. This was his purpose. A child to save the world. And it was supposed to happen somewhere up here in the future. But David, you know, he liked women. So David found this little hottie called Bathsheba. She's prettier than her name indicates. <laughs> Bathsheba. A woman who was married to another man. He kills the man. Steals the bride. Has a baby with the bride. Bunch of people die as a result. Their first baby dies as a result. Because God is gracious, but there are still consequences for our choices. But another baby's born. Out of, out of what should be, that wasn't God's plan. We can all agree on that. But that baby, well, his name becomes Solomon. You might recognize him from, I don't know, the book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon. Or maybe Ecclesiastes or Proverbs. Not only does he become the wisest king to ever live, it's from his loins, from his lineage, that the Messiah is produced. What a mistake. And yet somehow God found a way. To make purpose to his mistake. Isn't that powerful? Because David made the mistake. But Solomon wasn't a mistake. I didn't say this in any of the services, but I think somebody needs to hear this at the 12 o'clock. You have a tough decision to make. And I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, listen, no baby is a mistake. It might not have been on your timeline, but it's on God's timeline. And if you're here today, And if you're here today and the enemy is trying to convince you to fix your mistake, that child's got a timeline. That child's got a purpose. And I want to encourage you, God's going to use that child to do things you had no idea could ever be. Beauty will come from your pain. 
Purpose will come from what wasn't planned. At the same time, if you're in this room today and you've made a decision like that to abort, I don't believe the Bible teaches that that abortion pleases the Lord, but at the same time, I know that the Bible doesn't teach shame or guilt. And so if you're a woman in the room today or watching online, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you with the story of my wife who has shared her testimony many times. My wife who made a bad decision, a mistake, but you know what? Now she gets to preach once or twice a year. Now she gets to sit in on women's conferences. Now she gets to field phone calls from teenagers and from young adults. I made a decision, can God still use me? And she could stand there as the pastor of a church with two healthy children and say, maybe you made that mistake, but there's purpose in your mistake. God can make that, God can make it right. You make the mistake, God can make it right. You can get back on the timeline. Here's the question. What if it's someone else's free will that messes up your timeline? What if you were? What if someone else decided to molest you as a child? And now you got to live the rest of your life with those emotional trauma and scars through no decision or choice of your own. And now that's led to so many broken relationships. It's led to alternative lifestyles. It's led to hurt and pain. And now you're thinking, well, it wasn't even my choice. Someone did this to me. They threw off the timeline from my life. What then? Well, to that story, let me encourage you with the story of my dad, who his father was an alcoholic, abusive. He'd go to jail, come out, rape my grandmother, go back to jail. He, was, he would go weeks, months, sometimes years without seeing him. My dad is the best dad you could ever have in life. I told him that one time. And I asked him, I said, how did you become such a great dad without a dad? And you know what he told me? He said, because I didn't have a dad, I had to go to God to be the dad that I didn't have. Also, my dad is one of 11, second oldest. He had to raise nine kids on himself. I bet nine kids as a child, having to raise nine kids, that probably prepared you for having two of your own. So purpose in the mistake. Now, what if you make a really big mistake, like a really, really, really big mistake? You know exactly what I'm talking about because somebody just stood up in their chair right now. Like, how does he know? He gonna call me out? I don't flow in that gift. I don't. But I do think the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people right now, like a big one. Oh, let me encourage you with my man, Paul. My man, Paul, had a purpose. You know what my man, Paul's purpose was? To start churches. You know what he ended up doing for a living? Destroying churches. He literally went the other way with that one. And not just destroying churches, like figuratively, like pulling out pastors and throwing rocks at them until they died. Yeah. And then he gets saved, radically saved, on the road to Damascus. And guess what his first sermon is that he preaches? I used to kill Christians. Everybody was like, but now I'm one of them. back on the timeline. Are you following? Really, there's only one big mistake that throws off God's plan. I said it. Just one. Remember earlier when I said when you get to the point in life 
where you feel like all the best days are behind you. And all you have to look forward to is death. Here's the only mistake that throws off the plan of God. When you start to look forward and only see death, and so you begin to wonder to yourself, well, if that's the only thing I have to look forward to, then why not just Why not just move it up now then? Suicide, taking your life is the only thing that can throw you off the plan because the plan's not over. And I just wanna look into this camera and talk to anybody who is wrestling with the thoughts of ending your life. No one will love me, no one will miss me. My best days are behind me. I've got nothing to look forward to. My career is gone. My loved ones are gone. My purpose is gone. Brother, if you are still breathing, sister, if you are still moving, God is still working. There is a plan for your life. Stay on the timeline. If you keep walking, God will keep working. If you keep moving, God's got miracles. If you keep believing, God will keep blessing. If you keep trusting, God will keep releasing. Don't give up the fight. Keep walking. We love you. God loves you. Don't give up. Don't step out. Stay in. Stay on. Let God show you. It might not happen in time, but I promise you, it will happen expected and when your restoration comes it's gonna come in such a way you're only gonna be able to give glory to God how'd you get out of that depression it was the Lord I don't know how how'd you get out of that broken relationship it was the Lord I don't know how how were you able to kick the painkillers I don't know it was the Lord I don't know how it happened in the middle of a service on a baptism Sunday I wasn't expecting it I didn't come dressed but God met me he found me he delivered me right on time right on time right he came right on time standing all over this room God is right on time would you stand with me as we close God is right on time you didn't miss it this is your moment it didn't pass you by. It's going to happen. This was the date he had circled on his calendar. Hear me in overflow. You didn't miss it. No, it felt like that because you didn't get a seat inside, but God is always on time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to do two prayers. My first prayer is for anybody who feels like their best days are behind them. I'm preaching to 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds. There are young people who feel that way, 20-year-olds who feel that way, 30-year-olds who feel that way. I think we feel like that way in every age of our life. The best days of my company are behind me. The best days of my marriage are behind me. No, they're not. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. You didn't miss it. There's a miracle in the making. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. Let me pray for you. If that's you and you feel like you missed it, just open up your hands in a posture of reception as I pray a blessing on your life. Father, you see all the hands. You see all the lives. I don't know what choice you made then, but the choice you make today is the choice that's going to set you free. 
The choice you make today is the choice that's going to break chains. The choice you make today is the choice that's going to move your family forward. I don't know what you did then, but what you do now, what you do now is going to make the difference. Holy Spirit, right now, begin to encourage, begin to lift up, begin to move and welcome and warm the heart of those in church today. Holy Spirit, yes, Lord, right now, from the top to the bottom of this room, from overflow to the front row, from overflow to the front row, show them there's still time. There's still time. I live on time, not in time. There's still time. Amen. Look up at me because I got one last prayer and this is so important. Luke chapter five, verse five, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll try again. Last night we didn't work, it didn't work last night, it didn't work last night, five, six, and this time, put the next verse, and this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. Here's the revelation, are you ready? Last night it didn't happen, but this time it did. This time is more powerful than last time. And here's what I'm saying. I'm saying this because there are people in the room right now who have given Jesus a chance at one time in their life. And last time church didn't work out for you. And last time Jesus didn't work out for you. Yeah, but this time. Because people were forcing it on you last time. But this time it's His Holy Spirit that's drawing you. You tried to be sober last time. It didn't work because you were trying in the strength of your flesh. Today, God's going to give you the strength of His Spirit. And so this time, you will find sobriety this time. You gave up on love because last time he broke your heart, she broke your heart. That's because you were looking for the wrong things in the wrong people. But this time, you're looking for the man of God, the woman of God, the right things and the right people. Matter of fact, now you've gotten to the point where you're good all by yourself. So this time, love will fill your heart. This time. Verse 8, verse 8, and when the net was so full, Simon dropped to his knees. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Because when you get faced with that kind of grace, the only response to that is to run and hide because you feel like you don't deserve it. And I know that there are people who feel like that today. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. Look at what Jesus says to Simon. He goes, don't be afraid. From now on, look at verse 10. Next verse. You'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Can I translate that? Don't be afraid, Simon Peter, who I created to be a rock and to be a fisherman of men. Don't be afraid. Look at, look at, ready? You know why you came to church today? You know why you're about to lift your hand in just a second? You know why you're about to get baptized? And why you're about to get baptized even though you didn't know you was about to get baptized? Are you ready? Because Jesus was really telling Simon Peter, it was all a part of the plan. Don't be afraid. It was all a part of the plan. Don't be afraid. You thought it came out of nowhere, but I had September 24th, 2023, right there on the timeline, waiting for you to get to. I had deliverance waiting for you right here. This ain't, this ain't spontaneous. This plan, this plan, I had the moment waiting for you. This moment. Every head bowed, every act closed. If you're in the room today and you're ready to respond to this moment, giving your life to Jesus Christ, coming home to our Savior, 
you can hear the Holy Spirit calling you. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand saying, I don't know what my relationship with Jesus is today, but I want to leave knowing what my relationship with Jesus is. I give him my life. On three, all over this room, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus. One, you're going to raise your right hand. Now, I'm not going to ask you to move. I'm going to pray for you right there with your hand raised. Two, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus. One, two, three. Right now, raise your right hand if that's you. That's you. Come on, so many hands. So many hands. So many hands. So many hands. I see your hand. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. Amen. All right, I see you in overflow with your hands raised. In the back row with your hands raised. See you in the corner. Whether you raise your hand or not, everybody, let's pray this prayer out loud. Father God, I hear you calling, and I will not miss my moment. I'm coming home today, forever. I love you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.